Hello everyone, I hope you are well. I'm Carlos Carnicero Uravallin and I want to welcome you all to Future is Blue, a series of podcasts bringing together top experts from academia and think tanks to discuss the most pressing European economic and policy challenges of today. This is a Funkas Europe initiative and we hope we can bring new ideas for a more inspiring debate about Europe. Let me introduce today's guest. We're joined by Francesco Sassi, researcher specialized in energy, geopolitics and markets at RIE Think Tank based in Bologna, Italy. Francesco, thank you for joining us. Thank you for the invitation. Francesco, I'd like to start this uh, conversation taking a look at how European countries are dealing with this exceptionally complex and concerning energy crisis that we're living at the moment. Obviously, this is a disruptive time for energy markets in Europe, but EU countries are not affected in the same way and they are not responding exactly with the same measures. So what are your thoughts on this? Yes, Carlos, Carlos you're uh, completely right. I mean, um, we have 27 different energy systems in Europe. Um, you see France working in a very specific way, Germany responding to the crisis with huge amount of money from the government spent on uh, uh, subsidizing energy consumption and helping energy companies out of this crisis. The Italian government struggling to balance the Uh, governmental budget and at the same time uh, relieving the consumers uh, of some of the weights of these energy prices and uh, also other governments uh, all 27 working in a very different way if we stand just a bit outside the European Union we see other countries like Norway or the UK Uh, implementing very different energy policies right now and energy strategies to get out of the crisis. Um, and at the same time, these choices made today, they will influence the energy policies of tomorrow, right? So after the crisis, when the crisis will end, hopefully soon enough, but I think and I uh, fear the crisis will go Uh, down for months, even years, um, uh, these uh, choices made today will define the policies options of tomorrow. Any thoughts on, on the differences uh, in terms of capacity of EU member states? Because I think some have more margin from a public finances perspective than others. So some of them are investing higher amounts of money protecting their businesses and citizens, whereas others, they have little fiscal margin. So there's some disparity in there, right? Yes. And at the same time, there is also disparity between the countries, relations and the European Commission. Um, this is also important in order to have fiscal budget to implement such policies like uh, subsidizing energy consumers and helping them out of the Uh, energy crisis if um, uh, there is uh, if there are um, industries closing down right now because of the higher 
energy prices, it is very difficult that after the crisis, these industries uh, can be just brought up. Uh, natural, natural gas prices, which is the major cause of these um, crisis, and the, and the effects on the electricity markets are, are very disruptive. Uh, when an industry is going down, a factory is closing right now, uh, it is very difficult and it is very uh, complex to foresee uh, the same one coming back in uh, two years, three years, um, people losing their jobs. Uh, so uh, the, the, the weight of this crisis is going uh, to complicate it, uh, to complicate also the choices for the governments, the single governments, and regretfully we don't have a European perspective on how to handle the crisis and how to together uh, see a joint future uh, for the European energy consumption and production at the same time outside this crisis. Are there, in your experience, are there any specific policies that some member states are implementing that are, in your view, particularly useful to deal with the current situation? Well, uh, I haven't seen anything uh, very structural, except for the German choice to uh, very deeply cut the gas consumption in the uh, in the country with uh, mandatory policies applied to uh, residential consumers, industrial consumers, and commercial also. Uh, these are choices which Berlin decided to implement very early in the crisis. Um, well, not so early, but early enough to be uh, useful. Um, to, in order to reduce the gas consumption in Germany. Uh, they have been implemented since late June, uh, the beginning of July. Uh, it's just one country in a very big uh, natural gas market. Other countries are very more slowly implementing uh, uh, policy choices which are going to lower consumption. But I, I, I'm not seeing anything very structurally implemented in Europe right now. Our, our last week contributor from the European Commission, Miguel Gil-Tertre, who is a high-profile functioner working in, in DG Energy, he just tweeted a while ago, he said, less demand and more supply. And this, this summarizes, I think, the, some of the efforts that the, the, the EU member states are putting together, right? This, it would help if we manage all together to have uh, less demand and we there are some plans already in place for to reduce the the, the consumption of, of gas and electricity and more supply, more reliable supplies uh, all around the world. Is that something that would make sense, I guess? Uh, yeah, but um, I, I, I can agree on the point of reducing uh, the, the demand of energy and many countries are trying to yeah, slowly, uh, as I said, implementing such policies, but I'm not seeing many uh, countries implementing structural policies on uh, increasing the supply of energy. If we are talking about natural gas, uh, we are seeing European governments struggling to balance the necessity to implement the energy transition, so lower uh, all the hydrocarbon consumption, including natural gas in the future, and uh, uh, just 
uh, wait, uh, just use an, uh, an approach which I would, I would call wait and see, um, where the governments are not really uh, uh, investing uh, in, uh, um, uh, in having much more uh, natural gas supplies. Uh, and instead, I see governments um, uh, trying to, um, uh, uh, to, to establish a dialogue with energy producers, uh, but they are struggling to uh, finalize uh, new energy contracts with countries from uh, the Middle East or the north of Europe. Uh, we have Norway that, that has become the, the biggest gas suppliers for the European Union uh, after Russia, but Norway has a limited uh, um, uh, production uh, capacity. Uh, and right now is maximizing everything that it can produce, it can be produced in Norway, is exported to Europe. Whenever there will be uh, a problem uh, in, in these pipelines or the Ammerfest LNG, which is the, the biggest LNG production facility in Norway, uh, the effects will be immediate on the uh, energy markets in Europe. As you saw also what happened to the Freeport LNG um, facility in the US in June, we had an immediate effect on Europe and we are not uh, right now certain about uh, the comeback of the facility. The authorities announced that in November we should see new LNG supplies coming from Freeport but at the same time, there are rumors about the possibility of delaying the Freeport LNG um, production. So it's a very, very, uh, we are running on a very thin line here. Or fingers crossed, so that gets fixed in time before the the colder, the coldest part of the winter. Um, I wanted to ask you about the EU measures that have been taken at the EU level in Brussels. We covered them last week, but I wanted your opinion on on the measures announced so far. I mean, I understand you said this is not enough, clearly what we're doing collectively in Europe, but at the same time, there are some measures that have been taken. Any, what's your assessment of what the, the, the commission has done so far and the member states have done so far? Well, the, uh, the European Commission has clearly tried to lower the overall natural gas demand for the next winter through the safe gas for the, uh, for winter, for a safe winter program, um, it was applied in uh, in July. Um, what we collectively thought when we saw this measure, uh, we 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 expected the European Commission acting uh, on lowering the natural gas demand before, not in July. And when they did so, we have we have also seen the, the reactions. Uh, by many European member states like Spain, Italy, uh, Poland, rejecting the mandatory uh, reduction of natural gas. The only country which was uh, openly and plainly supporting the European Commission initiative was Germany. So uh, what I'm right now seeing is the European Commission trying to uh, retake uh, the initiative, the political initiative in terms of uh, what the uh, member states are doing in their domestic energy policies, uh, trying to coordinate uh, more plainly and more clearly our European response to the Russian use of energy um, as a foreign policy tool. 
um, what I'm not seeing is uh, the capacity by the Commission to uh, coordinate within Europe and not outside Europe uh, our strategy. We are, I'm, I'm struggling to see the European Commission very effective on uh, uh, many issues like the Midcat pipeline pain, uh, which is now supported also uh, by Germany and Portugal at the same time, a project that has around 20 years, um, uh, is more than 20 years or around 20 years was projected and at the same time right now is proposed to um, to bring natural gas to ger the German market um, uh, and connect uh, and increase the connectedness between the European countries. And I I'm not seeing Brussels uh, taking the initiative and coordinate in a diplomatic way uh, all these countries uh, around uh, the Midcat pipeline, which is just one example. Um, and I'm not seeing the European Commission able to right now establish um, a very clear platform in order to di also dialogue with the uh, external suppliers um, of the EU, but at the same time coordinate within the European Union the responses between countries. The this is related to the fact that I guess the, the inter interconnections are critical. But at the same time, they require investment, they require planning, and maybe everyone is focused a lot on next winter because obviously it's going to be a very difficult one. Do you think this is this is something to do with what's happening? Like there are some ideas here that need a lot of planning and long term planning. And rather, I see policymakers focused on short term remedies like bailing companies, helping citizens pay their bills. And what are you what are you what's your reaction to that? Yeah, this is this is for sure, Carlos. I mean, um, the governments right now are, um, are thinking about the next three, four, five, six months, and uh, uh, the policy window is not much more uh, long in 2023. But the point is that the energy crisis is not a short-term problem; is a, a strategic problem and a strategic issue for the European Union of today and of tomorrow. If you are not choosing the right policy, which are not just looking at this winter, but also to the next one, because 2023, the winter between 2023 and 2024, we will not see the Russian gas coming back in order to resupply our stocks. And we had Russian gas to resupply our stock during um, 2022, at least part of this. Um, and we are not seeing this coming back. So it is more a strategic uh, vision that Europe needs right now, more than just look at the uh, restocking of the uh, natural gas supply storages uh, before uh, the winter, the next winter. Uh, I wanted to ask you before we, we, we close the show, I wanted to ask you about one of the measures that have been discussed in Brussels, but didn't, did, it was not approved so far, but I think negotiations are still going on. It is about capping the price of gas. There were some proposals saying that a cap in, in, in gas prices should be established no matter where the gas is coming from. And there were other member states saying, gas from Russia should be capped in terms of prices. Do you think this kind of measures they would make a difference? I think the um, the cap of natural uh, on natural gas prices will have 
very different uh, effects and compared to um, the 27th different uh, energy systems in Europe. Um, what we are seeing in Spain, as, as an example, capping the gas prices, it means that power generation has increased uh, instead of uh, lowering natural gas consumption. And this can be uh, a disruptive, uh, um, this can be disruptive for, uh, as an example, the Italian uh, energy system, which relies on natural gas for more than 40% of the power. Uh, so we can complicate our path through the next winter um, uh, by choosing to capping gas prices. Uh, and this is because uh, high gas prices gives uh, a very clear signal to the market and also to, to consumers uh, to lower their consumption. And at, and at the same time, we are seeing the Italian government and many more governments in Europe uh, subsidizing gas prices. Otherwise, many consumers will be unable to heat their homes. Um, I am uh, also... Um, and, and also thinking about these measure of capping the Russian gas prices or all the imports uh, for Europe, I'm also seeing here uh, a, a coordination problem between the European Commission and the European uh, governments. Uh, uh, the European uh, Commission President uh, Ursula von der Leyen uh, uh, came out with a very clear proposition of capping just natural gas prices uh, of uh, Russian imports. But then, just a few hours later, the uh, governments and the Energy Council uh, uh, responded that we were not um, supporting this kind of policy choices. Uh, policy choice is that we were uh, more interested uh, on capping all the natural gas prices uh, of imports. See a strategic and a coordination problem between the European Commission and the member states. Uh, not just the little ones, but the major European members. So it's a very complicated issue and it's not just about economic, this is politics. All right, we're coming We're coming to an end. Um, I think there's, there's work to be done here in terms of uh, improving uh, coordination. Obviously, it's not easy to to face the most complicated uh, months that we've seen in, from a geopolitical and economical perspective in decades, but I think there's room for more, obviously. And uh, I agree with what you said about the, the, the strategic vision for the next years may be missing in today's debates. So anyway, I, th I, I want to thank um, Francesco Sassi, researcher specialized in energy, geopolitics and markets at RIE Think Tank in Bologna, Italy. Francesco, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank Thank you all for joining. This was all for now. We will come back soon with more exciting speakers on Europe's economic and policy-related key debates. Future is Blue is a Funcas Europe initiative. I'm Carlos Carnicero Ravallen, and if you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to recommend it to others and share it on social media. Thank you all, and stay well.